Michael, we've talked about the iPad many times. A lot of people would say too many times. We talked about the new iPads just last week. We talked about last year, multiple times about the iPad-only lifestyle, the automation, a lot of things. And we talked about why we feel so strongly about the iPad and the Mac and the future of computing in general. But I feel like we, I still haven't done a good enough job at explaining my story of why I got into the iPad and how I started treating it as a real computer, what annoys me about it today, and where I want the future of computing to go in the future. So I wanted to make this definitive take, the last one about the iPad until June 2019, with you today on the podcast. Okay, I hope we can make it just one episode and I hope we can uh, withhold ourselves not to discuss the iPad until the new iOS. But uh, let's do this. Okay, so I'll try to be very quick in terms of what I like about the iPad and my story because I already told it. I want to focus on the nitpicks so that uh, you, Michael, and others who try the iPad understand in which direction I think it needs to go. So about going iPad only, I had an iPad since 2012, but it was just a consumption device, like most people. And I started being serious about using it as a computer, as a general purpose computer to do stuff, to do work, to do general computing. After uh, your inspiration last year, uh, right after WWDC 2019, I got the iPad Pro 10.5 inch, and I specifically, purposefully, forced myself, that's the, the right word to use, I forced myself to use it for everything I feasibly could. And the reason why is because I wanted to learn about this platform as much as possible. I, I didn't want to just dip my toes, I wanted to go all in to to uh, not be stopped by initial discomfort and initial differences, but like to really see what it's all about. And I'm glad I did it because I learned to do pretty much anything on an iPad, which is really nice. So it's actually easier for me to summarize what stuff I can't do on an iPad. I can't code, which is a big deal because like this is my job. So most of my job I can't feasibly do on an iPad. It's not that there is no way to do any sort of programming on an iPad, there is, uh, but they don't work for me, for my specific use case. Um, I can't do some other highly specialized things like 3D design. I've been playing with um, Fusion 3D 360 from Autodesk for um, modeling 3D objects and then using Cura uh, to slice it and put in my 3D printer. I can't do it on an iPad. That's actually a real shame. I think 3D design would be great on an iPad. Uh, I, I think it would be so much fun to have Fusion 360 on an iPad, but we don't. Actually, like, just a quick uh, uh, side note. When I realized there's no real slicer, like 3D slicer on an iPad, I was like, I gotta do it. Like it'll be a fun side project. Like there, <laughs> there are open source like slicer engines. So making a great UI for an iPad is something I, 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 could, I could do in like a couple of weekends and you know sell it for, for $10. Unfortunately, now I realize why they all uh, suck, why there is none because no one is really incentivized to do it 
you like open source infrastructure is amazing, but there are very few good open source like whole apps, like whole UI stuff. And I can't really do a commercial project out of it because they're all licensed under GPL. So that sucks. Anyway, I can do uh, 3D design on an iPad and some other like weird, like totally nerdy stuff requiring quote unquote, a real operating system. Uh, but it's like like very niche, like related to, to me. Uh, and I accept that. What I can do, I can write. Um, not, like this is not very hard computing wise, but I, I gotta tell you, and you've told me many times, the iPad Pro is not just an excellent writing machine. It's the best writing computer uh, I know I've ever had because it's so small, so portable that you can take it anywhere, everywhere. And for writing, you often need to be in the mood to, to like have an inspiration. And it's like so focused, you have zero distractions. And writing is really simple, you just need a keyboard. And this keyboard is actually pretty good. So writing, I can and do pretty much all my writing on an iPad, it's very comfortable. Uh, journaling and like my whole kind of week, weekly review uh, routine, I can and I do all the time on an iPad because the iPad can do everything I need to do there. And it's a very focused environment, so that's great. Uh, design work, uh, maybe not UI design, but like conceptual design, sketches in Linea app, that's great. Everything related to like accounting and, and like tax stuff and banking, like web apps, managing documents, signing documents, like, you know, in a handwritten way, I can do it on an iPad. Non-coding related uh, work, I do often code reviews on an iPad and like test builds of... Um, Nosby and Purple, um, like manage stuff on GitHub with Nosby, with Slack, email, etc. I can compose documents, spreadsheets, presentations, like anything that's related as a web app I can do, and etc. probably a lot of other things. So um, the stuff that's not like super highly specialized, uh, which is what most people actually mean when they talk about computing, like people who are not nerds, uh, I can do. So that's how I began. But then what's like today? After kind of getting used to it and then maybe getting over it, what I like about the iPad is all the stuff that the MacBook Pro isn't. Uh, primarily the mobility, a full day battery life. The iPad has not failed me once in this regard. I have many times taken my iPad in the morning, taking it outside the home, for the whole day, working on it, doing stuff on it, getting back in the evening and having 20% of the battery left. There are very few situations where I took my 15-inch MacBook Pro without the charger and not regretted that. It's tiny, it's lightweight, I can grab it with my hand, I can put it in my man purse, I, have, I don't need a backpack, it has LTE, it has no fans, no heat, it's great. I love that it's water slash dirt resistant. Like it's not like specifically rated like an iPhone that you can drop it in a pool or something, but it's just, I don't have to treat it as an egg. Like this this thing has so many holes that liquid can, can, can get into and destroy it within seconds. And it's so expensive. And we all know that a grain of salt will destroy this stupid keyboard. And the iPad, like it barely has any holes. Like, you know, I, I can use it um, on a 
train tray next to a cup of coffee and I, I'm not paranoid that I'll spill it. Like, this is great. Uh, it's fun for some tasks. Now, Michael, like, like you're, you're really serious about the fun on iPad, but for some tasks, multi-touch is a lot better and a lot more fun than keyboard and mouse. Um, and it's great that I can transform it from a tablet into something with a keyboard that's like actually nice to type in really quickly, but not for all tasks. It has features that the MacBook doesn't have. It has, a ha it has a camera, which is used for scanning documents, it has a pencil, it has LTE, GPS, sensors, accelerometer, gyroscope. There are some apps where that's actually useful uh, for general computing. And it's simple and focused. Uh, because of constraints, because of how small it is, that it has a simple OS evolved from something like very small and very simple. And thanks to advancements in technology and design, which allow you know, simpler solutions to the same problem to be designed, it's a very simple and focused environment, which for simple tasks is a great thing. So that was the summary. Uh, and now I want to talk about what I don't like about the iPad, what annoys me about the iPad. Okay, uh, before you do though, um, I, I have a question, um, just a short you know, a break. Why the GPL is a problem? So the GPL doesn't let you use it in a commercial product, right? So you would have to publish, you wouldn't be able to publish it on the App Store actually if you would use a GPL library. So there's LGPL, which allows you to, uh, which would allow you to do that. But GPL and AGPL is such that if any code touches it, it's infected with GPL. If I use oh, okay. this GPL code for my app, I have to publish the source code of my app on GPL. So I could publish it on an app store, but I couldn't like I, I couldn't like make it a commercial product. I mean I, I could, but I would still have to publish the code, which kind of is pointless. Ah, so you could theoretically publish the code, but still charge you know ten dollars for the app if you wanted, but then I people think could so. use the code and do the same thing with you. With it. Unless there's something weird about Apple's end user license agreement, I haven't researched it that deeply, then okay. I think sure, but I would have to publish co all the code as GPL. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember that was something like that. So anyway, um, this, um, this is a problem for sometimes a problem for generating, uh, for creating uh, pro apps on the iPad Pro, which yeah. we'll get to uh, um, in this in this episode. But okay, uh, so um, after you've praised the iPad Pro, tell me what you don't like about it. The thing about the iPad is that even though I can do almost anything on an iPad, and I specifically force myself to use it so that I really, I really can do it, and I know the the best, probably the best way to to do uh, a thing on an iPad. I still choose to do many things on a Mac because it's faster, because it's less annoying. Just a lot of things are brittle or break or are annoying. And mostly in ways which are unnecessary, like in ways that could be fixed. And it's a lot of little things. Like when you, when you switch between apps, one of them uh, has text input, the cursor position will, will get lost. It will just get lost every time. That's so annoying. Uh, most apps have very few keyboard shortcuts. They're poorly discoverable. And even apps which exist on the Mac, like it would be obvious to like copy and paste all the shortcuts, like maybe do a little cleaning up, but like have all the shortcuts on an iPad. Since you have the keyboard, you have the command key, but they choose not to. 
and things might be the same or simpler on an iPad if you're a basic user because like you're doing stuff with your hands. But when you want to be fast, when you use something a lot and you want to be fast at it because you do it a lot, you learn the keyboard shortcuts. And then I can use them on the Mac, but can't on an iPad. And it's just really annoying. It's really unnecessary. Um, multitasking um, can be really frustrating. Like uh, I like iPad for its simplicity and focus. And a lot of the time, maybe most of the time, I use it in a single app mode. I think that's where it works best. But again, it really depends on, on the use case. Like some of the stuff you want to do on an iPad, you need like two documents side by side, or you need two tools and drag and drop things between them. And it can be annoying, like like slide over. Oh man, slide over is so, so stupid. If you need to open an app so that it floats above, above one or two apps, and then you like like close it so that it, it goes off the, the screen, every time you want to bring it up, you will appear again in slide over, even though you don't want it to, unless you're from the home screen, in which case it will be a full screen up. But then you go to back to another app, you will still be slide over. You have to pull it down so that it covers the whole screen or half the screen and then hide it. It's like completely, it takes like five steps and it's completely unnecessary. Or like if you want to um, do split screen so that you can see two apps side by side, uh, you can often use gestures to do it, which is like very, um, very natural and very fun. You like drag something from the dock, or if you start typing in Spotlight, you can drag an icon and drop it on the screen. That's great. But if you like Command Tab it, some of the apps won't appear at all for seemingly no reason. There are some arcane rules for what shows up in the Command Tab switcher and what doesn't, and you can't drag it from a Command Tab switcher. And you know stuff like this can be really annoying because you need two apps to achieve a simple computing task and you can't easily get to the state where you have two apps side by side. Whereas on the Mac, it's like command tabbing is essentially instant if you have two apps launched. Uh, while it's not on the iPad, there's a, a weird animation which could be like essentially instant. And if you want to launch something, you do command space, type something in Spotlight, and it shows up. Or you command tab it, and it works every time, right? Another thing that's annoying is dumbed down version of apps. People have the idea that an iPad app should only be a very simplified, dumbed down version of the whole app. And that's just, that's just insane. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want your dumbed down version of the app. I want to do everything I can on my Mac. I understand some of those things might be a little more cumbersome because there's less like screen real estate. But like, why are you giving me this piece of crap that can do like only five of the 10 things your Mac app can? It's really weird. I mean, why can't you like share all this stuff? Uh, this is something like I quite like about the uh, about our app that no matter what device I am, like some of the things might be more or less convenient because of screen size, but it, it's like it has everything, all the same features, right? That's really important to me. I want to move between those devices fluently. And, uh, and web apps, a lot of stuff we use are web apps, which is fine. Like I, I don't, and they might've been better or fluent or like fluid in theory if there were negative apps, but I'm fine with web apps, except that 
they're often not tweaked at all for touchscreens and or, or m like mobile like narrow windows which make them real annoying so i'll give you an example of a flow that really annoys me uh, accounting and banking so i have a split screen i have an like invoice pdf on one side and the accounting web app on the other both of them are meant to be used on the desktop and here i have a small screen which is like split in half i have the invoice which is meant to be printed on a large piece of paper it's like come on it's 2018 like why uh but okay whatever and i have to like keep like zooming in and out to like see the the data to be able to select something and copy and paste in the other app the other app is also like too wide to fit on the screen so i have to like uh i have to be really close to see all the small letters uh it has like like hover gestures which only work on the mouse and sometimes you have to tap twice to like select something and it's like really annoying and it's not the fault of the ipad it's just that people haven't accepted that like we need that stuff and this is like stupid anyway like come on it's 20 2018 how how is it possible that some company is using software using structured data to produce something meant to be printed for whatever reason and then i take it and like extract data by copy and pasting to another app like why why can't we all agree on a common interchange format for invoices why can't the pdf have metadata so that you can just drag and drop and it's all imported it's really stupid i i, I don't understand it i don't understand why why like people don't see that this is like obvious just to, just to give you an, an, a short idea, uh, what I do is I, I'm thanks to you. I learned to um, forward. I mean, to to upload my all my invoices that I need um, to deal with to my Scanbot uh, folder on mm -hmm. iCloud, and yeah, then I launch Scanbot, and then I don't use the PDF version. I switch to the text interpreted by Scanbot, and then I try to copy and paste this text, which is very often more convenient than 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 um, using the PDF and, as you said, zooming and and you know um, and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> thanks to Scanbot, we have this meta metadata kind of you know. True, but oftentimes it doesn't work very well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it sometimes doesn't interpret as well. Sometimes yeah. like, like letters are misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. and I have Especially to in Polish language. To, yeah, or you have to switch to, to PDF anyway to see if you didn't make errors, like okay. if it wasn't misinterpreted. Especially if like someone decides for whatever reason when I order something online and they send me a printed paper invoice and I have to scan it. And then since it's all like curled up, like the OCR will fail a little bit and not all the, the numbers will be read properly. But it's like, why? They could have sent me an email. It's really stupid. And the same with, uh, with, with the bank. And it's, it's, it's not that, you know, it, it's a really shitty outdated bank. It's like probably, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the best Polish bank web apps that there are. It's just that it's still pretty, pretty bad, especially on the iPad. And it could be made better with like, an effort of one programmer working for a day to see how it works on mobile and fix it. Well, whereas the native app is not made for the iPad and it's not that great anyway. Like it's, it doesn't have, like it's fine if you just want to check your balance on the phone, but it's, it's, not, it's not what I need. The mobile app of this bank on the iPad, not only is not ported to the iPad, it also uh, 
turns like if you want to use it horizontally it just yes. turns vertically so yeah. it's completely annoying that um this uh, this this mobile app is like this um one of the things you mentioned is the in the exchange you know the interchange of information and mm-hmm. um to, to your analysis i would add the problem with many apps as you mentioned not using keyboard shortcuts when it's just so obvious and for example as you mentioned you know in nosby we have i mean you have really <laughs> made sure that we use as much as we can the keyboard shortcuts so we can really basically use nosby on the ipad with just with keyboard um and many de- developers don't take their time to just you know spend you know a few hours to tweak it because it's not that complicated and second thing share sheets I mean, so many apps uh, could work beautifully with share sheets. Even the apps that are that are in theory very well designed and very, in theory very well maintained, they are still forgetting the importance of share sheets. That like in 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 uh, on the because the workflow on an iPad is a little bit different than on a Mac. On an iPad, I start in one app, then I migrate to through share sheet with this data to another app then i do something else and then i'm through share sheet i you know send it further so it's like i use share sheet sometimes like several times uh, mm-hmm. and and if an app doesn't support it i'm like what is this so like you know what year, what year is that right yeah. so um so just today i was using um the the app documents uh, by riddle which is good it has a, an ftp client and things like that so i wanted to share, send something and then i discovered that this app doesn't doesn't support share sheets at all so so for me to to move something to this app i had to figure out a way how to move it to its app apps icloud drive or something like that you know to really get it there instead of just doing the logical way just share sheet share it to the app and that's it you know like the, the the most common way so for me for me this is also a problematic that the developers are not taking their time to really understand how the workflow on this platform works it's just different it's just so um uh, so different yeah another thing is um in document based apps you can't unless the app offer like designs it this way from scratch, you can have like side-by-side quote-unquote windows, like like two panels with two different documents of the same app. Like just yesterday, I wanted to work on a note that, it, you know, I, I had a note in Apple Notes and I wanted to compose another note consulting the first note, but I can't. I had to copy, I had to do side-by-side view with a different app, copy and paste, work on that, like so annoying. Why? Um, or um, another thing that, that annoys me is like in files, like speaking of, of um, documents, I think they fixed it. I think there was a bug, but if I had a file, a PDF uh, in the scanbot folder, then if I was in the files app, right? And I'm in the, in, I see the, the whole tree of files. I wanted to open the PDF so that I can grab my pencil and sign it. But yeah. if I if I did that, it would open Scanbot, and it would copy it to the Scanbot root folder. But it's like no, I wanted to open it in place in the Files app, sign it, and, and exit. But it would open Scanbot and move the file. Infuriating! You're like you don't do that. Or I have a workflow where I need like files side by side with another app, just like I'm I'm telling you with, with like uh, an accounting web app or, or something like that. Then if I want to move to a, a different location in files, then 
it's really annoying because if I'm like three folders deep, I gotta do like swipe, 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 swipe. And only then do I see the favorites. Like Apple in the full screen app, it's fine because the sidebar, but Apple is not accepting the concept of like a hamburger menu or something like that, like like a sidebar that that slides into it. So I have to like, I have to pop out the whole like hierarchy of folders until I get to my favorites. Or when I want to add a PDF from Safari, like from a different place, I do share, add to files. Then again, I have this picker, this like nested tree, which is like kind of ugly. And it sometimes forget the last location I was using and there's no shortcuts for the favorites. And I, there's a couple of folders I use all the time and they're like pretty deep in the hierarchy and I can't do anything about it because it's like in a folder, uh, like in a folder of, a, of an app. So like, this is not my decision. And like, like simple, obvious um, kind of user experience uh, tweaks are just not done. And because Apple is thinking and is not, does not have the mindset of continuous improvement of apps, we got the last update in iOS 11 and we'll get the next update maybe in iOS 13. And there's pretty much no changes in iOS 12, even like simple things that wouldn't take much of their time, but would like drastically reduce my amount of frustrations. So real time follow up, uh, this bug is gone. You can open any PDF in ScanBot folder in drive in files and edit it uh, right there. It doesn't bring you to ScanBot. So Good. this is solved. Another thing I wanted to give some positive here is that because of my baggage of using the iPad from 2012, I got used to some things not working completely. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even try checking if they work now, right? So one of the things recently I discovered magically is the global search. Yeah. The global search doesn't work that, that bad anymore. Like, because I use ScanBot and I scan things and it scans the metadata and everything, because I have Nosby and Nosby also pushes things to global search, like, because many apps push things to global search on iOS, I sometimes, um, and, and, and because I, I store more things on iCloud, iCloud Drive than before, uh, I'm sometimes just surprised how I find things by just putting them, like, just searching, you know, in global search instead of, like, the way I was used to, I was I would keep everything in Evernote. I would have to open Evernote and search over there and hope to find it. Now I just start in global search, and very often I just find things like very quickly, and not just by their file name, but just by by, by the file contents as well. So it's um, it's you know it's it's a surprising thing that I never expected to to actually work on iOS, but but again this just gives a testament to the situation when the developers take their time to push these things, you know, to the search, to feed the search with this metadata, mm -hmm. then it can be really useful to the user. Then suddenly, you know, I find a PDF document with some information which I didn't expect to find so quickly. To be honest, I never use global search as search. I use it the same way as, uh, as on the Mac, which is as a quick app launcher. So when I'm in an huh. app and I use iPad with like with a keyboard, I do comment space. I start typing the name of the app, like, scan for scanbot hit enter uh, and it will launch the app same as as on the mac and that's my pretty much only use for spotlight but it, it, it works like the same and it works perfectly and it's really fast and really convenient but i'm telling you it also works for content for documents you will be surprised how well it works well, it i might try it but i just 
I don't, I don't, I don't, maybe it's something I, sh I should try. Maybe it's something I'm kind of used to never working on any computing exactly. platform very well. But I just, I, I think about where stuff is structurally and I rarely use search anywhere. Like I, I just, if it's like my file, then I, I know where it is. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. No, just, just telling you that, it, that I was surprised. All right. I have one more example and those are just, examples like there are mm -hmm. more things there are some things that annoy other people but i just wanted to point out that it's a lot of little things and almost universally those are fixable those are not fundamental to the platform but another thing that annoys me is working with numbers so i use apple numbers uh, mm -hmm. quite a lot i've used it for like a lot of years on the mac and composing or modifying a numbers-based document this would be quite quite annoying. Like it's just, it works. It's just clunky, like really clunky, which makes it slow. So for example, I want to select rows. Like I want to select multiple cells or multiple rows and manipulate them. Like it's a spreadsheet. Like of course we're gonna manipulate rows and and columns, right? Mm -hmm. So I gotta select the first one, grab with my finger this tiny handle, and you know, drag it to the edge of the screen to like. Uh, you know, keep keep dragging it until I get to my destination. And sometimes it's really annoying when you want to go a long way, especially if you realize, oh, but you want to make an action on the on the rows and not on the cells. In which case, you can't just you know uh, long press on the cells to modify the cells. Uh, or the the rows in the cells you've selected. You gotta start again. You gotta select the first row. Uh, handle and not the cell and drag that and then hit cell options like some of the options appear in both places and some don't uh, like for example if you want to like um, squish the the rows so that they take the minimum amount of space uh, yeah it doesn't work and I, I forget about it every single time and it's so annoying and on on the mac like it's just it's really obvious to anyone who uses a Mac for more than, than, than a month that every in every place where you have an app that has a list or uh, like a spreadsheet or something, if you want to select stuff, you can do multi-selection. You select the first item, you you press and hold shift, you select the last item and you have a selection. And you want if you want to do a selection with gaps, you can uh, you know hold command to start another selection, hit shift, press the last one and you have like multi-selection and like okay I understand this is not very um, discoverable to someone who's not used to kind of traditional computing but like that that's fine like using uh, numbers in a regular mode is is fine but if you're a pro user like this is just you know 10 times faster and it, this iPad has a keyboard so like I, I can't think of a single reason why they don't implement it or provide a different way, which is admittedly different, but just as fast. Uh, like, there's no reason. Or on the iPhone, if you have a cell where you uh, want multiple lines, then how do you do a next line? Do you press return on the keyboard? No, they will select the next cell. You have to, you know, open the keyboard in the current cell, long press on the cell to show up the the uh, context menu, hit the, the right arrow to see the second page of the context menu, hit insert, and select from the list new line. Obvious, right? No. 
No, <laughs> it's not obvious, and it's really annoying if you have a spreadsheet with, where you want to have a cell with multiple lines. Like, it's not very difficult. And I understand you have less space on the screen, it's just an iPhone, but there are uh, design patterns that people have figured out over the 10 years of multi-touch smartphones that apps use quite consistently, just not Apple. And stuff like this is quite annoying. And it doesn't have to be this way. Okay, um, a few things you mentioned. So, for example, you said the, uh, this iPad has a keyboard. Mm -hmm. So, I can tell you, I ordered the iPad Pro and I didn't get the keyboard initially because I had I wanted to order a particular English international layout, which I like. Um, so, I had to order it on the Apple website and it came two weeks later. I can tell you that using the iPad Pro without the smart keyboard is not a perfect experience. I mean, I, I was using other keyboards for it, I was using it without a keyboard, but still, the iPad Pro makes sense with a smart keyboard cover or smart keyboard cover folio in like in the newest uh, version. So just to, you know, give heads up to anyone who thinks that, you know, iPad Pro without the keyboard makes sense. No, it doesn't. You just get the keyboard. Uh, there are also many moments where I don't use the keyboard at all. I just attach it and I just use the iPad without it because I'm browsing or whatever. But usually, like, it's, it's great that I have this keyboard cover all the time. So I missed it. I'm glad I have it now. Second thing, um, the Pro apps are appearing. So not Apple, but other developers finally are figuring it out. So uh, we will link in the show notes to a cool video of a guy doing a video uh, production on the iPad Pro. And he's blown away how it works. Like uh, he's using this um, uh, Lunar Vision, I think, app, uh, which is a very pro app. Uh, and he's blown away how fast the iPad Pro goes, how how great it edits the 4K video and how much fun he has doing it. And he mentioned something in his video review, which I love and which, which, is, which stands for the whole iPad experience. If you try to copy everything you've learned on the Mac to use on the iPad, you will fail. If you want to achieve the same things, but are prepared to learn to do them differently, then you will succeed. And, and, and he says the same. He said, editing the video on the iPad, it's, it was annoying at first for him, but now he sees that it's just different. It's a different app, it's a different experience, but it's a good difference. It's just he likes this difference, it's, but, and, but he has to get used to this being so different. So um, really cool video. Uh, uh, check it, check it out. Uh, and of course, for, for him, something we mentioned in the last episode, he's just blown away that this iPad Pro editing 4K video doesn't launch any fans, anything like this. It's just quiet. It just works and it's fast. So like he's like, you know, my MacBook Pro would be screaming right now, and this one, nothing. You know. So, so this is really cool. And the last thing I wanted to mention is that uh, uh, the working copy app, which is mm -hmm. a Git client, uh, it's, it, this is an app we've been wanting, we've been missing on the, on the iPad Pro. Um, and it's there and it works very well. And it's a good citizen on the iOS. So you can open any, like, anything you, you, you um, I mean, use the Git for, you can open these files in dedicated apps. So for example, mm -hmm. Coding, I can code still in Textastic, which is my favorite app to code on the iPad, or I can write in AirWriter or or, or in, um, in Ulysses if I want to, if I want to edit the document. So it's it's really great. Um, and uh, recent, uh, I mean, and, and recently I read 
a, a fantastic blog post by uh, Vitici. Um, uh, we will link to, it, link to it in also in the show notes where he's explaining how he works with walking copy and with texts and how he keeps the texts, the drafts of text they're working on in GitHub. And uh, Radek, you will be proud of me. Uh, we are going to do the same thing in marketing department because we've, we are already using uh, in Nosby, we are using Git for, for the main Nosby, web, Nosby website and mm-hmm. for the Nosby help page. And, and so now, now that in our company, everybody knows how to use Git, we will be using uh, also GitHub and working copy like to edit uh, drafts of things we want to publish somewhere in the future, drafts of many documents, uh, because up, up, up until now we've been using uh, files on Dropbox for that, but then you cannot see the difference, like what people have changed, how they changed it, and uh, and uh, we want to change, we want to improve it. And what I really like and enjoy while working on texts is that when I write something and I and I give it to Magda, uh, then she can edit it, and then I can see her edits, so I can learn from this. I can see which mistake mistakes I've done, like what I shouldn't have repeated or how I should have how I should have rephrased the the sentence, you know, because she's a much better writer than I am, and I can really learn from her. And now I was just sending it her document, she would do it, and I would just read through it, accept it, and that's it. But I wouldn't really learn from much uh, from that much. Now yeah. through GitHub, it's easy. Version control, which is what Git is is something that programmers have been using for decades and it's obvious that like there's no way you can live without it and uh yeah it, it will take some time but in every in every profession whether that's writing or design or audio or anything else uh, like people will come up with um version control systems like specific maybe to a specific medium and people won't believe how you can live without version control Exactly. So I'm really happy that we were we're going to move, you know, most, I mean, actually all of our writing to, to version control. This way, right. you know, it's going to be just easy. Great. Uh, so uh, speaking of, of the video with, about the video editing on the iPad, there's also another video from the same offer, uh, like showing of um, a music artist working on the iPad, uh, doing stuff. And that was also pretty interesting. Uh, so check that out. That, that, that That's quite interesting that uh, uh, how much you can do there, just a lot differently. And also read Craig Maud's essay with his nitpicks on the iPad Pro, but also how it's different. And you have to think about it as a different device. And with that, I wanted to talk about the future. I believe in the iPad. And I think the future of mainstream computing is somewhere between what macOS is and what iPad is. And and I'm like I'm purposefully talking about it in, in like Apple ecosystem lens because that that's what I'm used to. But like whatever you use, Android, Windows, like I'm talking about the general direction. So I like iPad for what it is already. Not a ra- laptop replacement. It's not that. And it will never be a laptop replacement in the way you think of laptops today. It's more of a, like a laptop slash desktop enhancer, maybe. Like it's it's not something. If you if you're a pro user, if you know something about computing, you probably want to have a laptop or a, a desktop computer because there's just a lot of things you can't do, whether that's for technical reasons or whatever stuff that's just a lot better to have a big screen for. But it's a device where you can do some of the same tasks 
the same, or well, maybe differently, but just as well, but in a form factor that's much more pleasant to use. And also some of the different tasks that were never very good to do uh, on a desktop. Like if you want to sketch, uh, yeah, if you're a graphic designer, you have your, your graphic tablet and you have this like indirect way of sketching, but like on an iPad, that's, that's a really great experience. But this is just untenable for the long term. Like it's, it's stupid. Like, like how there's no way we'll live for the long term with like two completely independent platforms that are so close together and it's so far apart. There's no logical reason why I can't be much faster on the iPad in terms of working with stuff. Like it's just software. Like a lot of those things, these apps, an app for, from the same company is written for the Mac. It's just, it's different. And it's not just different because of the fact that it's multi-touch and it's iOS and it's simpler. It's just different because it doesn't have some of the same features. And on the other hand, why I can't use great iPad software like shortcuts on the Mac, like this, that doesn't require me to use multi-touch. Like why can't I use it? Like there's no reason why I should like relearn different completely independent apps for the same thing twice or do things completely differently on those two devices. Now, there are some differences that are there today and some differences that will that will always be between something like an iPad and something like the Mac that just stem from uh, the fact that the form factor is different. If you have a small device with multi-touch versus a big device with a large screen and a keyboard and a mouse or a, or a trackpad, they will be different, but they should be different just because of that, just for those reasons, different enough to be great on those two platforms, for those two form factors. But there are other ways in which those platforms are different with no good reason, are different just because they evolved differently, because the history went a different way, different because the Mac, well, the Mac is clunky a lot of the times because of the past. It's not so simple for some of the things. It has so many layers of abstraction that need to be supported because of history, right? So many complications like overlapping windows, the file system that are only necessary some of the time. And then the iPad is clunky because it's new, because it's not treated seriously, because it's dumbed down, but it's also like more modern and has simpler solutions to the same problem. So you can do some of the same things just differently and better. And we need to converge. We need to. We need to be able to port apps and have the same apps running on the big desktop, on the laptop, on the tablet, and on the phone. The same way as we run, as you can do pretty much everything the same on the iPhone and on the iPad. They're different. Some of the things you might want to use the iPad because it's bigger, because it has a keyboard, because it has a stylus, which the iPhone doesn't. But pretty much all apps work on both platforms. They're just adapted to a different form factor. And most apps that don't require something only iPad has or only Mac has are just, they're, they're just different because here I don't have multi-touch or something like that. They should be able to work and only be adapted. You should only be able to spend 5% more of your development time to adapt it to the Mac, just like you spend just a little bit more time to adapt an iPhone app to the iPad. 
and, and we need to get there or we'll forever be frustrated with the unnecessary differences, with the stuff that works here but not there without a good reason. And it's coming. It, the hardware is there. This this new iPad is amazing. It's it's fast. It's faster than my Mac. We have A11x chip on the Mac. We're moving towards ARM with the T2. We have the MacBook One, which is a terrible Mac for some people, but it doesn't have fans. It it, it has some of the features of mobility that the iPad has. I think they'll they'll make a MacBook with a T3 chip, which will have LTE and maybe Apple's GPU and the Core ML accelerator. We're, we're moving in that direction. And with software too, we'll have Marzipan next year, which will allow iPhone, like iOS apps to run on the Mac with few or no modifications. We have like framework deprecations and just like changing to the whole like security model, et cetera, on the Mac so that it's closer to iOS. And we'll need to move them closer and closer together and just destroy this unnecessary split it just needs to be a, a variant. That's all. Just a, a variant, a different form factor. And and then we'll have the fu- future of computing that I want, which is that I can move fluently between those devices. They're just different screens towards the same platform. And if I'm on the go, I might use the the iPad or maybe I want to sketch, like do something where the iPad is great. And then I can like instantly and fluently Move to, to the Mac where I'm working on something where I'm like, okay, this is great. I made a great sketch and now I want more screen. And it should be like that. So I mostly agree with what you said, but what I don't want, uh, I mean, I see that these platforms converge and these platforms are, you know, getting closer and closer to more compatibility and, and you know, and being kind of a one thing, but a little bit different. But what I don't want, and what I really like about the iPad, is that I don't want, like, what I like about the iPad is the fact that it's it's been rethought from the very beginning. So, and, and, and the origins are a simple iOS, so a simple iPhone interface. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Some people don't like it, but I like that because it's a different approach, you know, to things. It's a different approach, which, um, which just comes from simple from the simple stick, you mm-hmm. know, what you need to do to get this done instead of, you know, how many folders and files and complexities you need to get this done. Um, and and computing has always been hard for people because it was hard to understand, yeah. you know, the files, the, the folders, the system, the, you know, and I remember when I was, you know, learning Windows and it was really hard for people to grasp why, you know, things are like the way they are. And on the iPad, People get it instantly. You know, they just tap things. They they just open the app. They do things like instantly. So so this is what I appreciate about the iPad. So I still want the iPad to be the simpler version of mm-hmm. things. You know, not to for the complexity not not to creep in. That's why I also think uh, for the future this whole marzipan thingy going mm-hmm. on, like preparing a great iPad app that you can later. Uh, change to a Mac app with a few tweaks. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I think this is just amazing because then um, we could really craft a fantastic iPad app and then enhance it even more for the Mac if we need to or if we want to, uh, to, to, as you mentioned, to accommodate the the Mac-y stuff, the the, the Macintosh things. That's why the iPad will never run Mac OS. It will never run Mac apps. 
nor should it, because then exactly. you'll break the exact thing that makes it great. The fact that it forces you and the developers and companies to start from scratch with modern assumptions. That's why it's not the iPad that will become the Mac. The iPad will become more powerful and get Mac's features, but it will never become the Mac. It's the Mac that will become iOS. Uh, it's just that in a way and with a timeline and with enough, just enough compatibility that it won't become a dumbed down machine. It will continue, continue to be a great pro machine, but it will be a variant of iOS. It will be, it must be, and not the other way around. All right, so let's try to be good to our listeners and not talk about the iPad as much for the next few episodes. And let's end this one with uh, something they already discussed, but you want to repeat it. So uh, what's your pick? All right, so my pick for today is the same as your pick, I think last week or two weeks ago, which is Bullshit Jobs, a theory by David Graeber. And I'm, I almost finished reading this book and man, it's a lot. Like when I, when I heard you recommend it and I saw the name, I knew it's going to be good, but it's better and deeper than I expected. And it's serious and it's interesting. So we'll talk about it like in two or three weeks on the show. Mm -hmm. So this is homework for you. Read Bullshit Jobs, a theory by David Graeber, and we'll discuss it on the show. And I want to try something new. Okay. I want you to email us. If you go to the podcast.fm slash about, you'll find my or Michael's email sent to whichever you prefer. It doesn't matter. Sent to Radek. <laughs> okay, sent to me. <laughs> and tell me how you would categorize your job. Is it a shit job? Which is a job that probably doesn't pay very well. They don't treat you very well. Um, and it's just that. Or maybe you have a bullshit job, which is a job that's so useless or unnecessary in your own mind that if it disappeared, if this job disappeared, no one would notice. Or maybe you're lucky, like we are, and you have a pretty good job where you're treated and paid very well and you're doing something that's not bullshit. Then also write to us. Or maybe it's neither or both or all of them. Either way. Tell us if your job is a bullshit job or is not a bullshit job. I want a small sample of data uh, to discuss. Do you want to add anything else? No, no, that's a cut.